Mark, we can't hear you. You're on mute. What's going on, everyone? We got YouTubers being sued for $1 billion. We got SVB, which is the most popular bank in the world ever since this collapse. And all of a sudden, all these people are experts on a bank that no one knew even existed three weeks ago. We also got the next JP Morgan that collapses after some serious allegations. And also the Fed recently raised the rates by 0.25 basis points. So let's get into today's show. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get it started. One, two, three, four. What's up, everyone? My name is Mark. I'm with Uncultured Currency, and this is my co-host. Hey, guys, I'm Mo from O2B Clubhouse. Thank you guys for tuning in. We are Money Market Truth, presented by the Come Up Series. Yes, we are actually live live today, so it's not a pre-recorded video. We are 100% live. Um, I was not in good health on Monday and Tuesday, so we couldn't do a actual pre-recorded episode like we usually always do. So we're here live for y'all today. Mo, how you been, man? It's been good, man. I'm excited to do live. We haven't done live in like a couple of months, so we'll be able to engage with you guys live and get some feedback as well. Yeah, absolutely. And definitely, you know, throw some comments in there if you're enjoying what you're seeing. We're going to ask you guys some questions throughout the show as well. But um, yeah, let's just get straight into it. We got the hot takes. So we got a lot of stuff to talk about today. But most importantly, our lesson or I guess our major discussion is going to be on um, the preserving mental capital. Okay, that's going to be our main discussion today. But first, we're going to get into the hot takes because as you guys know, we're also an entertainment channel. So ladies and gentlemen, let's just go ahead and get into the hot takes really quick. Oh, yeah, distress beacon. Oh, yeah, baby. Uh, here we go again, Morty. Now, here we go. And here comes the odd takes with Mark and Mo. All right, get, get ready. Die, let's get this. All right, so first hot take for today is... The lawsuit that's happening. I don't know if you guys heard about it. I'm sure you have. I think Lawrence spoke about it a couple of days ago. But there's a bunch of YouTubers who were promoting FTX that are being sued in basically a civil lawsuit. Uh, and I want to kind of just have that discussion with Mo here a little bit. Now, some of the people who are going to get sued, I don't know if you are familiar with some of them. Kevin Pafrath, that's the guy from Meet Kevin. I've made a lot of videos on him. I think he's definitely a grifter. Graham Stephan, which is probably one of the biggest YouTubers in the finance space. Then you have Andre Jick, which is essentially just like Graham Stephan, but also they kind of talk about the same stuff almost like every single day. When they drop one video, the other person drops the same. It is what it is. Jasper Singh is a guy who's a minority report or minority mindset. I think that's the name of the guy. And then there's some other folks on there like uh, the Crypto BitBoy and then Tom Nash. As some of you may know, Tom Nash is actually a friend of mine. So that's shocking to see right there. But this lawsuit's happening right now because of FTX. Now, this guy, Edwin Garrison, he's the, also the same guy who sued uh, Mark Cuban for the whole Voyager Digital. I don't know if you heard about that one. That one collapsed as well a couple of months ago. He's suing them. He's also suing Shaq. He's suing Tom Brady. He's suing pretty much all the celebrities that were the faces of FTX initially. And now he's going after the YouTubers that were promoting FTX. What's your thoughts on this, Mo? Do you think that this is going to this is like a frivolous lawsuit or do you think this is actually going to pan out and be something? I think it will pan out. It's just um, FTX was notorious. I don't think they did any due diligence. I don't know if you read the statements when they were talking about how they didn't even have an accountant. They were using QuickBooks. Uh, to do their numbers so like so many people that were advertising them for monetary reasons did zero due diligence um, and you know someone can argue that hey I uh, was recommended to go deposit or use a bank and now this bank's gone under but the government's backing it up and it's a completely different situation there here people made a ton of money like I believe uh, Mr. Wonderful was talking about he was paid $11 million um, to um, talk about uh, FTX and basically promote it. So these guys made a shit ton of money. Even when they did lose, they were invested. Most of the investment was covered with the sponsorship money they made. So they do have a liability. I think this one sticks. Really? Okay. Yeah. So most of those guys were actually under creators agency. That's the agency that all these YouTubers were signed under. That's how they got the deals. Like I said, I'm, I'm friends with Tom Nash. So I kind of have a little bit of insight on that. In fact, um, when I interviewed Tom Nash on my channel, 
that discussion came up was FTX because I was very skeptical about FTX. I'm skeptical about crypto, period. But FTX just seemed a little off. And I had a discussion with him and he truly believed that it was a legit company. He's like, listen, I mean, they have that arena named after them. He's like, they have all these uh, BlackRock was backing them. He's like, I think it's a legit thing. He's like, they just didn't benefit from him. So they, I think they end up canceling his contract within two months. Nobody was signing up off of his links because he's not a crypto guy. He's a stock guy. So yeah. they didn't really benefit from him. But he was getting paid good money. I mean, he was getting paid, I think, $50,000 a month off of um, just advertising them, which is great money. Now, imagine Meet Kevin. Meet Kevin has, you know, 2 million subscribers. Uh, Graham Stephan has 4 million subscribers. So those guys are probably somewhere into six figures. And yeah. it's, I mean, it's drama. Now, I'm not a fan of people getting sued personally. Um, but I know how this looks. These are people in a finance space who's supposed to know better and they should have done their due diligence and it didn't happen. I, I personally don't think this lawsuit's going to stick. It's also civil court here in Florida. And I've been through uh, a lawsuit before. I sued somebody for work that they didn't do. I paid them and it didn't show up. I can tell you this in any, some, any of those civil court cases, you can win and still not get paid. The guy never paid me back. He didn't even show up. I won the case. And then I was like, well, how do I get my money? They're like, well, you have to figure out how to get your money from him. So yeah. it was just kind of a, it was kind of a waste of time. What I will say though, because of this lawsuit, I, I expect that these folks will have to get lawyers. They if they don't have um, media insurance, uh, they would have to come out of pocket and pay for lawyers, pay for the fees. So it's going to cost them money for sure. They may settle. That would probably be the best solution. That's, and that's why I think this Edwin Garrison guy is just suing anybody and everybody hoping that he's going to get a settlement out of it. I think they want to make an example. And if they do, they'll do something. Um, maybe it's out of court settlement, but they'll have like their ace sharp lawyers working on this. So it'll go somewhere if it gets media attention like it is, like we're talking about it right now. Um, it mm -hmm. gets there, I think. Um, but um, we're in a very difficult time right now economy wise and everything going on and um you know when times are good everything is going up people are making money there's a different sentiment altogether right now overall engagement sentiments very negative because of all these layoffs and everything that's going around so um i think they'll make an example out of this yeah and um I mean, but yeah, but this guy's like literally he's suing everybody. He's like just throwing everything on the wine. But people are getting sued left and right. I think earlier today, uh, one of Paul brothers, Logan Paul, not Logan Paul, the other one, Jake Paul. I think he's also being sued by, I think yeah. actually the SEC. I think they're reaching out to him because he did some sort of pump and dump with some crypto coin or something. So was, he's, yeah, he's him, next. He's involved. Akon's in it. There's a big list. Yeah. So it's, it's getting ugly. It's getting ugly for sure. I mean, I'm glad they're finally kind of cracking down. I think they quietly stayed and watched uh, people for a very long time. Remember that guy, uh, Zach Morris, who was on Twitter, who was doing a lot of pump yeah. and dumps. He had his own group with like thousands of people. Uh, he, he got arrested in SEC, I think, also looked into him. So a lot of stuff is happening. A lot of these people, these grifters are going to be held accountable one way or another if it's um, just draining them to the point where they end up selling or just fees or God knows what. It's very interesting. All right, next next hot topic. Everyone's favorite. Where's my mouse? What's going on here? Everyone's favorite um, company. The, the next JP Morgan, that's what we were told, right? The next JP Morgan, it's this this company is going to skyrocket to the moon. It's the best thing ever. I had invested into it. It was one of my biggest regrets because it clearly wasn't the next JP Morgan. We're talking about uh, Square. So Square got some pretty bad news here. Uh, the Hindenburg, which is shorting Square currently, but they did a two-year-long investigation. They're saying that the cash app numbers are... Uh, skewed that they inflated those numbers quite a bit as well as they used uh it's mostly used for criminal activities such as drug dealing terrorist activities etc because they don't really fall under the i guess is that the anti trust or anti something but i, I forgot the, the actual term for it but they they are essentially being looked at right now by hindenburg but again hindenburg is shorting them so this news is just for them to obviously clearly tank the stock but it dropped today by 15 percent and uh, I'm glad I, I I'm definitely glad I sold out of it. I took a m massive L on it, but it is what it is. What's your thoughts on Square? Well, I they 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 say that stuff about crypto too. Like uh, drug dealers are using it. Um, you know, it's being used by terrorists. Mm -hmm. I think when you're entering a short position, a lot of times when they mention it, it's to pump their own account. And mm -hmm. um, I don't know if it's going to go any lower just because of the report. So based in terms of the structure of the stocks, so they shorted it and now they pumped it. More people got in. I don't think um, any more impact happened unless insiders start selling. 
uh, or if something actually comes up, what's going to happen is they will do a response. Once they do a response, the stock will go back up. Uh, I'm just talking about the basic structure of it. Mm -hmm. And if there's an earnings call coming and the numbers are even meeting expectation, the stock's going to rip and squeeze all the shorts. So, um, it, you know, it's funny. I don't know how much short they are and if they're going to take profits anytime soon, because what happens is when they re announce a report, they're all automatically in profit because the stock gaps down. So mm -hmm. it's a legal way of pump and dump, uh, if you know what I mean. Uh, yeah. There's, yeah. There's a and Hindenburg is notorious for that. Hindenburg yeah. is definitely there's, notorious for that. There's a company called Bear Cave and that person, I believe his name is Edward, and he doesn't trade the reports he does so if he's uh, talking a reporter on square he's actually not shorting it and you have to get paid subscription i think that's a better way uh, i trust that report more this is just pumping their own position at this point yeah and everybody came forward and said that all these claims are frivolous and they, they yeah. do not agree with these claims so we'll see what happens tomorrow but i mean definitely tanked 15 percent I know people are a little bit excited about Square. Again, I lost hope in it. It's clearly not the next JP Morgan. So don't let anyone fool you and tell you it is. So we'll see what happens. All right, next hot topic. Uh, we're talking about the banks falling apart. We have Signature Bank, SVB, Credit Suzy, First Republic Bank, and then some of the reputable banks such as Charles Schwab, Wells Fargo, and um, Goldman Sachs. Those all have taken a hit in the past couple of weeks because of this whole possible contagion of SVB, which again, no one. Did you hear? Did you even know what SVB was before the news, Mo? No, especially in I, Canada, I, we don't hear. We don't. I've never heard the name because we don't really see regional banks. We have okay. different regional banks here, so. Yeah, no. I love how everyone's all of a sudden an expert on it. No, dude. No one even. I never even heard of it until this happened. Now it's the most popular bank in the world, of course, because you know it's just an example of the issues with some of these banking companies uh but what's your thoughts do you think right now this is a this is a good time to start investing into banks uh, i'd stay away from it there's a couple of things that i'm seeing um one is first of all people that aren't sure where to put in so if you're like i want to short banks but i don't know which one iwm has a lot of regional banks i'd look there um in terms of investing in i'm not worried too much about the these regional banks i'm not worried about the main bank so bank of america for instance is getting a lot of put sweeps Goldman Sachs, JPM, and basically the rumor is one of these will buy these regional banks or bail them out. Mm -hmm. And if they do do that, what's going to happen is a shareholder will not like that because your cash is leaving. And in times like this, you do need cash. So I'm looking to short these main ones. So I'm currently looking to short and I'm in a position for BAC. And I know me and you talked about banks before. I would not invest. I don't think this is the time to invest. Here's one thing that could happen. News comes in tomorrow that one of these banks is getting bought up by Bank of America or Goldman Sachs or someone. It will get short squeezed, meaning all the shorts will get caught because people will buy it because they know how this works. And you might get that one opportunity to make good money. But long term, I would not touch them. The reason why they blew up is because their management was shit and they had no clue what they were doing. Um, the one I was watching, FSR, I believe, $42 billion happened uh, of transaction withdrawal happened in a period of 10 days, which caused this collapse. Uh, they were basically the cost of borrowing has gone up. And so if you've taken money of your consumers or your client and you're investing into something, if it's not creating enough return, that means you're losing customers money. And they're not really, um, I believe the report that I was watching, again, I'm no expert at bank. The report I watched, they said that they had an audit and everything was cleared. So I'd stay away from this because bad management, bad leadership. Um, so this is when you get tested. So I'd stay away from it. You're muted, bro. Uh, also with the uh, the interest rates, that's another thing. But I, I would like to touch on one thing real quick. And this is like a short-term play that, I, that I'm eyeing right now. Now, I'm not recommending anyone take this play, but I would say just kind of look at it. Because all out of all these banks, I started following some of them and stuff. And honestly, First Republic Bank to me is the one that probably would have the, the best upside if things turn around for banks. I wouldn't get into it right now, but uh, it's the... First Republic Bank, I don't know if you see, if you look at the actual fundamentals of the company, it's been a strong business and it's been basically performing pretty well for quite some time. And right now, I mean, it's completely undervalued. It's also facing the same issues, similar to SVB, but not as bad. But they actually have backers who are planning on purchasing the debt or giving them liquidity because they don't want to sell the bonds, right? That, that's the biggest issue. The reason is more of their, I guess, uh, 
high value clients, the clients who have a lot of money have been pulling out a lot and they're stuck with these bonds and they don't want to sell these bonds because it's unrealized losses right now. So they're hoping to get bailed out by some other banks. I did hear some rumors that there's some banks that are planning on buying them. I think JP, JPM was one of them, but we'll see if you, but if you take a look at it, just look at the fundamentals, you can go on um, alpha spread. You can even go on, let me go pull this one up as well. This is one of my favorite ones that I actually like to use. The app is also completely free. You can pay it's like $20 a month if you want to do more than like 10 views. But it's uh, simply Wall Street. Gives you everything in a, in a visual format. Once again, this is like, I think I recommended this before. You could pull it in and you could show like, you know, value, dividend, health overall. Clearly, again, this stock is completely, this company is completely dumped. But if you look for many years, it was very stable between 140 and 120 for a while until this whole collapse happened. And if you just look at it like on, on the books, it's not that bad. But again, they're dealing with the same issues like all these other regional banks. So if I was a betting man, so as a trade, if I was a betting man as a trade, this is the one bank that I would purchase or scale into. Because if you look here on this chart, this is literally, is that what, $12.53 right now? The It was close to 118 could potentially go back there if they get bailed out and if everything goes as planned. But if you look, it hasn't been, this is the lowest it's ever been, ever, it seems like. I mean, going, I'm going all the way back to 2011. It's never been this low before. And it's just a complete crash. It's ugly. So don't go in there. I, personally, I wouldn't recommend going in there with like options or anything like that. Just buy shares. Buy shares and just hold. It. But it's the, depending on your risk tolerance. I'm eyeing it. I'm, I'm waiting to see when the pain hurts before I even scale into it. And I'm going to scale small. I'm talking about maybe like 10 shares and just see what happens. And then if the news plays out and things get better for the banks, then sure. Now, I know a lot of people are probably interested in XLF. And we were just talking about the whole bank issue and what our thoughts are. Mo doesn't think you should invest into banks right now. I am actually invested in XLF at $30 a share. I think it's below $30 right now. But if you want to get exposure to banks, because I know a lot of people want to diversify, wait and just go XLF is my recommendation. Again, I'm not a financial advisor. That's my recommendation. If you want to go long-term XLF, you're just safer. You get a pool of banks versus trying to find the one bank that's going to skyrocket out of the, to the moon. That's that's just me. But again, banks have a lot of pain coming its way for a while, I think. But, you know, I mean, people always say high interest rates is good for banks. Is, is, do you agree with that? It, it, it In a way, it does work. But where banks are getting hurt right now is when people were depositing money, what were they doing with the money? They're mu mm -hmm. they're making in terms of transaction cost. Like you can break Goldman Sachs and look at where the revenue comes from. If And then we can look at which bank is making money from uh, earned interest or transaction fees or lending. But we're talking about how much money that was coming in and how they were investing that money. Again, you can't compare Goldman Sachs to these regional banks. Uh, my thought is they'll start selling banks once they find out who's buying who. Yeah, because investors don't like that. So I'd wait and I'll go over the flow after. It's pretty bad for banks. Yeah. And, you know, by the way, this is completely off topic, by the way, is, but I know a lot of people who are probably worried right now, like, should I even keep money in the banks? Again, just go with the more reputable companies if you have money and savings or whatnot. But also look at T-bills. I think T-bills are currently at 4.5%. The I-bonds was like all the rave last year, but you could only invest up to $10,000. And I think at that time last year was the highest it went to was 9%. And now I think it's at 6.89%, which isn't bad if you have money and savings that's sitting there and you're trying to like grow it. Uh, I have I had all my savings mostly in Amex with American Express uh, checking account. They had a, uh, I thought it was a high yield savings account at that time. It was 1%. But I recently came across Capital One. They have a high yield savings account currently at 3.4%. That's pretty damn good, man. And Capital One is also a reputable banking company. But I'm just saying 3.4% is pretty good to kind of keep your money in there for savings and, you know, in case of emergency or whatever, and you at least get in some sort of return there. So that's just off topic. I was just, just thinking about that because I had it written down here because I'm, I'm looking to where I can put some of my money that's been sitting in, in Amex, by the ways. So that was uh, and then our last hot topic before we get into our major topic for today is the Fed. So we had Fed speak yesterday and let's go pull up the slide and see what happened. We all know and it was expected 25 basis points. I think initially back in December, weren't they talking about um, 50 basis points? And then things kind of shifted. I think around January, February, it was 25 basis points. And then with the whole base, yeah. people were kind of nervous whether or not he was going to do any hikes at all or not. 
So this is really interesting. This is a very, very big topic. Like, I think it's massive. This is tied directly to the market. It isn't so much that he increased the rate by 25. It's so much what he said. Uh, I think a lot of people were front running the market thinking that uh, they will come up with cuts in the rates. And before even leaving, he said that's not part of the base plan and they will not be doing any cuts this year, which is why mm -hmm. we started dropping. That's massive because massive because it's about sentiment, right? That's what people are expecting. They're expecting that the rates would be cut and they didn't get cut. I have a lot of stuff on this today to present to you. And if the group or if the audience here is massively bullish, I want to show you the other side and you make the decision. And I'm not going to talk about it. I'm going to give you facts so you guys can make the decision yourself. Um, should I share the screen now or do you want to wait till later on? Um, yeah, in a, in a second, because I, I do want to touch on one thing real quick. Um, like I know Mark recently tweeted something. He said that uh, this is before the Fed actually did his uh, 25 basis points hike. He, he said that his so his thesis is that for the year, He's going to do 25 basis points and he's not going to raise anything for the remainder of the year. Maybe to like the last, like the last quarter of the year, he's going to raise a hundred basis points. Um, I didn't agree with that. I even texted him. I, I don't agree with that at all. I, I think we need to stop, at least me personally, I think we need to stop always fighting what the Fed says. I think he's been very clear and very direct overall when he says what he's planning on doing. I don't recall him swaying away from what he said. Do you? Yeah, he changes his tune all the time. But um, doing 100 basis point, meaning purposely breaking the market. You would only yes. do that. So that could happen. There's always all opportunities or all things happening by Fed because they say something, they do something else. Um, it would only happen if things get out of control. If the market just goes crazy and they can't um, fix the yield curve, they could do 100 basis point. But very unlikely because they've been very careful with the words. When Pavel first started talking, I believe in August, September, he was super bearish and he was just like, we're going to mm -hmm. keep reducing. Now he's very careful on his words. Um, so I don't see it happening. If for him to do 100 basis point, he needs to break something intentionally. And if that's happening, it's because things are getting out of control. Yeah, so my thesis, I think he's going to continue to raise um, 25 basis points. The next one I think is in May. And then, right, that's the next one I believe is in May. And then he has one, another one. I think they're going to just be 25 basis points unless something happens, especially with the banks. I'm keeping an eye on that. I'm also keeping an eye on the whole Ukraine and American proxy war. That to me means something as well. I know a lot of people don't care about it, so I'm not going to touch on it as much. Um, but I'm, I'm very much invested into this whole um, conflict that's happening and things just seem to get a little bit uglier and uglier. You know, Xi Jinping just recently met with um, Putin in Russia. And so we'll see what ends up happening there. But yeah, go ahead. Share what you were, were talking about there, Mo. Um, all right. This is you what? guys are going to love this. Hold on. Um, one second. All right. Perfect. So what we'll do here is we'll quickly go over this chart. Uh, this chart takes data from all the way back 1954. And I've talked about this multiple times. So um, basically, I'll read it up and then I'll go into the number. So rate cuts have a and I'm just reading for people that are listening in the car or aren't on YouTube. So rate cuts have historically preceded the worst drawdown in previous bear market. So basically, the market tends to enter a recession and go in the downfall after the rate are cut. So the the graph here, the chart here uh, points toward U.S. equities and the blue bar here or blue or what, whatever color you want to call it. It tells you when they start the rate cuts and what happens to the equity. So we start the recession after the rate cuts start all the way to um, for it to go to zero. And then um, you see the bounce happen, leading to an end in the recession. So what I'm trying to say is based on the chart, what they're saying is a lot of people think this is the end of the bearish cycle. This chart, not me, this chart suggesting that the market, the equity market tends to go down after the rate cuts start. So that's one thing that I wanted to point out. Mark, feel free to say uh, whatever uh, and whenever you like, let me know. I'm going to just jump from one chart to another. Um, this is um, something that came in today. I'm going to again read this out um, so people can understand what I'm saying. So this shows it's the really small. Mo. Can, you, can you zoom in a little bit? It's like really small. I don't know if you can zoom in on your screen a bit because uh, I don't think I can better now a little bit more. Bring that bad boy up. Keep keep there. We go. <laughs> 
More. There we go. All right. There you go. Perfect. So it basically shows rejection rate for auto loans are jumping. And this is the same thing for credit card default and home mortgage as well. So uh, we're sitting at roughly 9%, which is the highest in six years. And what's happening here is the cost of borrowing is going up, but your income is essentially not going up, which is causing this. This is kind of just the start of it. That's the second chart. The third thing I want to talk to you about is... This shows the one month concentration of what they're buying. So they're selling real estate, financial, energy, and everything else. All the money is moving into tech and communication service. You've got something like NVIDIA that's gone up from 108 to now 270. And we've got Tesla at what, 100 to around 200. Meta was around 90 to now around 200 something. And in terms of the health of the market, this is never good because what's happening is a lot of liquidity is getting injected in the market. But if any kind of panic situation happens, a lot of people will flee these two sectors. There's a very good video clip of Kathy. Um, I was trying to find it, but I couldn't. Basically, what she's saying is that if you ever want to see the longevity of a market, the market has to do better in all sectors. So everything, all the pillars are holding the mm-hmm. market. And when one or two sectors are leading the market, that usually means that we're coming to the top very fast. And I think it's one of the smartest things she's said. Um, so that's something I wanted to point out. The website I'm using here is called Finviz. It's absolutely free. All you do is go on groups and it gives you what's uh, coming in and outside a sector. Um I wanted to do a quick video. It's only a minute, but I wanted to show you psychologically what's happening with people. So the audio feature doesn't work for some reason. So we are going to play this and I'm going to read out. Um, uh, I'm going to read out this video and the text on it. So people um, that unfortunately aren't watching the visual won't get it. But um, if you've seen this video before, um, don't give out the answer, but I'm going to read this out through. Give me one second. Let me go full screen. Let me start. Hold on. I apologies. I think the video. Okay. Apologies. All right. So basically count how many times the players wearing white passed the basketball. And I want you guys to put in what you think, um, in the live chat. All right, Mark, you tell me too. How many do you think, how many times? Oh shit. How many times oh, did you give you- it away? <laughs> I, I counted 26 initially. initially okay, I, so, I counted 26. So if you've seen this video, don't say anything, but I kind of gave the answer. So I'm going to ask you guys, did anyone see anything weird in the video? Anyone? Mark, did you see anything off in the video? I did. I did. And did? I know exactly what you're talking about, but, yeah, but I want everyone to go ahead with it. Anyone see anything odd in the video that happened? Go ahead, type it in chat. Mark, did you see it or do you didn't? I did. I did. I think I, at least I think I know what you're talking about. Yes. I think okay, I know. Cool. Go ahead. You guys type, type in what you guys think you saw that was odd in that video. Okay. I'm going to play the video now. There is a freaking gorilla in the back of the yeah. video. Most people don't get that. All right. The whole point of showing you the video is a lot of us sometimes only see things that the narrative is being shown to us. So if someone's showing us one thing and asking us to look at it. That's all we see. Everything else in the background we miss. And this is why you need to make sure that all your blind spots are covered. This could be in terms of trading psychology. This could be in terms of um, just the market. Like um, a good example is when, um, I'll give you an example of coin. Coin was $400, then it went to 300, then it went to 200. Then if the only thing you were looking at was to keep buying the dip. That's all you would have seen. And then the market kept going down and eventually this thing went all the way to 30. And most people probably stopped buying the dip after that. Um, The logic here is that always get the full picture and don't buy into anyone who's just telling you one idea. I want to share facts with you. I'm not here uh, to tell you that I, you should sell all your stocks and be bearish, but just get a full complete picture the market in terms of the overall health isn't looking good. Uh, but Mark, do you want to add something to this? Yeah, so I'm looking at the chat when I ask people, put one if they are um, bullish and two if they're bearish. So some people responded. looks like more people are on a bearish side. I'm still on a bearish side as well. I still don't see anything that's fundamentally changed 
long term. If anything, I see things possibly getting worse. Like, I mean, you brought up the data. I wasn't thinking it was going to get worse because of the data that you brought up there, just by looking at what's happening right now. I will say this, though, looking at the, the most recent data when it came to like the inflation numbers and et cetera, car numbers have gone. Everything has gone down slightly except food. Food rose, and I think it's at 9% right now. But everything else is starting to come down slightly. But that doesn't give me the warm and fuzzy feeling yet. Like, oh, we're now going to be bullish. And again, um, I mean, the market's been really bipolar, man. It really has. Like, it's it's been hard to trade. So it's it's rough. I'm still bullish. I'm still not going heavy on anything. I'm still scaling in small. I'm still just investing in SPLG, QQQ, whenever there's a massive dip, when we have, like, you know, days of sell-offs, that's when I'll I'll buy a couple shares or whatnot, but I'm still not going heavy on anything yet. I will give a shout out to Mark, though. He was completely right about AMD and NVIDIA. I did not expect them to run up as much as they did. Um, but I'm also in a space right now because of the environment we are, I will take profit. So I, I slept on Disney. Disney was up 20%. I didn't take profit. I told all my friends to take profit, but I didn't. And I waited until I was, what, 1%? And then I sold. I was like, oh, that's, that's great because um, I had an emotional attachment to Disney. And that's another thing we need to get our, our way. And we can talk about that later when we talk about, you know, preserving mental so capital. Yeah. We talk about that late, a little bit later. But there's a lot of time. If you are in profit, don't don't let yourself go negative because uh, we really don't know. You know, we're guessing. We're just guessing from the data that we have in front of us. And our sentiment is that we think that the market is still relatively bullish. Um, other people may think it's, it's, I mean, sorry, bearish. Other people may think it's bullish. You will see different versions of what people see. Ultimately, you need to do that based off of your um, research and your due diligence. Let me pull up the chart that you have there. Sorry, what? Yeah, let me pull let up me, the chart that you have there. Yeah, I actually want to show something else too. Okay. Let me zoom out. Hold on. So this is a chart for um, uh, commercial real estate right now. And it's heavily, heavily tanking and real estate in entirety is also going down. My point showing to you is usually it takes 12 to 15 months for real estate uh, to catch on onto equity market. Um, it's starting now, which is why I think this is the start of the cycle. And um, it's good that we are talking about this. I think as a trade, um, there's nothing wrong with going bullish or bearish. Overall, the market, uh, Mark, let me share the chart uh, with you. This is daily. What we've done here is since what? Since August till now, we are just in, not August, since January, I would say, we are in this range and it's getting tighter and tighter. At some point, we go either up or down. We're very close to the 200 moving average and we keep going around 4,000. My prediction, which is a very bold one, is by this March 31st, the number that I'm looking for SPX to close is around 3630 on SPX, not ES. 3630 is the number I'm looking for it to close at. Um, and there's a reason for that. We've got a JPM collar, which we talk about every quarter. Um, that is um, the lower end of it is at 3630. And I think that will act as a magnet. 4000 will be hard to break. Um, and I think they'll keep selling. Right now, what's happening at the moment, there's something called CTA buying. These guys are people that buy on momentum and trend. And right now, as you can see, the trend is up on a flat tape. On a flat tape, they buy 35 billion on any given day. That's the basically narrative I've seen from them. So if we see a low volume day and we slowly grind up, it's because CTAs are buying. And what we saw today, buying, 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 and then the major drop. Gold is going up, bank is going uh, down. When do gold goes up? When the risk is off. People only buy gold when there's some sort of thing happening, bank collapse that we saw. A lot of people saw crypto run. There's two mm -hmm. reasons for it. Yeah, right. one, one is very obvious, money from the banks are leaving yep. into crypto. And the other reason is crypto. I don't want to say, I don't like to use word the word oversold, but people saw crypto go from 60K all the way to 18. So you will see nothing ever goes uh, down in a straight line. So your recovery, there's a reason why money's moving to tech too. A lot of bank money is also going into tech. Um, I'd be very careful. Um, I think we do need to acknowledge Mark. He did a fabulous job. He did talk about chips. He did talk about um, AMD. He did talk about NVIDIA. And we are, I think, 150% up. 
uh, on NVIDIA in the last three months. Yeah. And um, wasn't the plan, but I want to show this to some something very simple that all of you can do. There's a tool called Fibonacci retracement. Very simple tool. TradingView has it. I think the free version has it too. And all you do is you grab the top and then you grab the bottom and it shows you how much a stock has retraced from bottoming out. So in this case, the top was 347. We have retraced close to the 78th percentile on NVIDIA, which would give it not 78, we're roughly at, I would say around 65 percentile. Um, I think we can see 300 um, possible, but we're coming pretty close to a pullback and the pullback will be 255.39. That is the number I'll be watching. If NVIDIA gives up 255, I'd be very, very worried if I'm holding stocks short term. If you are dollar cost averaging thinking 10 year investor, this isn't the conversation you want to be part of. This is more so people that are trying to do trades. And that's one thing I've been very clear about. Another thing I want to show you guys two tickers and then we'll move on to the next conversation. If you want to add some sort of protection into your bullish um chip portfolio i'll share two uh, tickers with you one is nvds this is nvds yes. yes i love that this one. is this is 1.25 times bearish on nvidia so that's one ticker i'm currently in this um i'll be adding more the other one is s o x s this is a little bit more aggressive it's 3x on the semiconductor as a whole um, so 3x leverage here. Um, these are the two that you want to look at if you want to add um, some sort of, um, if, if you think you're bearish, that's one, two names to look at. I like them because NVIDIA um, keeps going up and it goes up aggressively. I don't want to start timing the top on it and lose on theta. I'd rather buy this and not worry about theta. So that's why I picked NVDS and kind of what I have going. But yeah. Mark, anything you want to add? Yeah, I know. I'm glad you touched on the fact that again, this is really there's an echo for some reason. Um, let me go close this on my on my end. You know, I, I appreciate the fact that you did mention here again. This is all short term talk that we're talking about here. Okay, again, long term market's going to always go up. We all know that. It's just trying to time when is a good entries to start buying into certain positions where you're at. So clearly, uh, Nvidia was a good spot at. Well, how low did it go? One twenty or something like that, I think. So and one, I, I sold way too early on that one. Yeah, 108. Yeah, it was like yeah, one oh, we went down to one oh eight. Okay, Jesus. I think I my, my has a bunch of orders sitting at a hundred. So I, I, clearly I it didn't hit that. But yeah, it's you know, buy, do your own research, do what you gotta do. Long term, obviously everything's gonna be okay, most likely. Uh, but I do like that play with N NVDS. Another thing that I would say on NVDS, if you're not interested in like doing like, clearly options or whatever, or if you just want to wait and see like if NVDS would get to a certain price, do cash secure put. But I will say that NVDS is not as liquid. So yeah. I think me, you and I were talking about that. Well, it's not that liquid. So don't do options on it. Really don't. Like it's it's really hard to get in and out. How do I know this? Because I did it. So I'm just letting you know right now. It's It's a little bit of a... A pain in the butt to get out of now um other than that I, yeah i have nothing else on that do you want to get into the actual topic of today's episode yeah well uh let's talk about um we talk about capital mindset we've talked about um just risk management overall but we never got into the emotional part and we really me and mark really wanted to be intentional about this episode today because um a lot of what we see on social media is fluff right and what i mean by that is um, most of the stuff that you see, everyone's making money. Everyone's hitting those 1000% on SPX. Everyone's catching those NVIDIA at 108 perfectly. And then now they're up to what 150%. The truth of the matter is people aren't just buying NVIDIA at 108. They've been buying throughout the whole time. And so you might be break even on NVIDIA, but if you did something like that on coin, you'd still be down. It, it's from 400. It's at went all the way down to 30 and now it's like 60. So the point being here is if you keep looking outwards on how well people are doing, um, you're going to always compare yourself and feel bad about it. Like this last two months have been probably the toughest two months I've seen in the market, psychologically, emotionally, it's a very hard thing to do where you 
kind of like you're like okay seems like a slow day i'm gonna chill out and then the market rips in one way or you're on the other side of the trade um losing and then you go on twitter and everyone seems to be winning so that takes a big toll on you and social media has made it 10 times worse uh when the market was going in a straight line in 2020 sort of everyone was making money maybe the 10 percent wasn't uh if they got the timing wrong and they freaked out but now like just just to talk about this morning we dropped we dropped i had spx puts that i bought at one they went to five I sold half in the one, I bought it for 150. They went to five this morning. They probably went to zero. Had I not sold them, they would have been gone. So I saw a lot of tweets, people saying like uh, bears are about to lose their money. Two hours later, we start dropping. And then you see tweets from bears saying, all oh, bulls are losing money. The fact of the matter is if you're only picking one side, the situation is that video we watched with the bear in the background, you're not seeing the full side of the story and you're just kind of, being very stubborn on what you want to see and adding that to just comparison you're going to go nuts so a lot of this um we actually mark we're bringing a therapist uh in as an interview i don't know if it's uh too early to talk about it but the whole point of that when we brought her in uh in the discord we had a zoom session one of the things she said that if you're trading you can't make your life around trading like if all you do is trading and that's where you get your uh, self-worth from right if that's where you a good trading day will make you a good per happy mood and a bad trading day will make your day shit the problem is trend is not your friend if you're day trading because the trend can change in five minutes so if you go look at the trend today uh, we were up for the first two and then we were down and now looking back you could say okay we're trending up then we're trending down but when you're actually day trading it's not that easy and that's what I'm trying to tell people. It isn't that easy because a lot of times you'll get fake outs or fake breakouts, which causes people to leverage. The only way to save your uh, money and capital mindset in this market is kind of do your own thing instead of comparing. And then the second is don't make it all about trading, like have something else you look forward to, which brings me uh, to like Mark. You know, the whole thing about if you work a job, you're a loser, like nine to five, like you shouldn't, right? You want to talk about it? Because I know you yeah, work no. and you trade. So, yeah, let's let's just get real. All those people that always tell you that nine to five is the death of your life and all that, they're clowns. They're clowns. And it really pisses me off because I did. I fell into that trap, too, as well. Um, but I'm one of the fortunate ones that was able to walk away from my career, retire, and then I went back to work. But not everyone is in that same situation. There's so many people in 2020 that I know for a fact quit their jobs because it was euphoric. Everything was going up. They thought they were successful traders. They were in groups. They were in discords. They were they had friends. Everyone was making money. You could buy any meme stock. You made thousands of dollars. So then they quit their job thinking they're going to be able to do this for a living. And now they're back at McDonald's or Walmart or Target or wherever they're else. Not, not trying to throw shade at those jobs, but they're low-paying jobs. And it's really, really hard to be able to trade for a living and work those jobs. The thing is, like, I feel no one's really talking about trying to better yourself and essentially take that money. Like, imagine how much money you possibly lost. I don't know how many, how much money people have lost out there who are listening right now, but I'm sure some people have lost a lot of money. Imagine if you could have just taken that and got yourself a certificate in some sort of trade, IT, marketing, sales, something that could have helped you further than you try to become a, a day trader. And I know we talk about trading here all the time. And I always say that this, this is not for everybody. Investing should be first and foremost, but you shouldn't even be investing if you don't even have a healthy savings account. You shouldn't be investing if you have a bunch of debt and credit cards. So these people who are always telling you, quit your nine to five, it sounds all sexy on paper. It sounds great on YouTube videos. You see all the um, 10 ways you can hustle and make side income. And then when you really look a little bit deeper, these clowns don't even do it themselves. How many people have seen Chat GPT YouTube videos? It was like, use Chat GPT to start your business. Use Chat GPT and make a thousand dollars today. I still haven't seen a real life person do that. I haven't. Like if I, I, I sometimes I reach out to these people, I'm like, do you have proof? Oh no, it's like I did some studying and I, I read these articles and stuff. It's just them regurgitating stuff that they've heard from other people. But how many people are literally making a living right now using Chat GPT for the past four months? They are making thousands of dollars a day using Chat GPT. Name me one. Correct me. Seriously, I, I'll put my foot in my mouth if I'm wrong. Nobody's doing it. These people are telling you the, these dreams, the hustle mentality, the nine to five. They're usually trying to sell you something. And again, I'm not knocking anybody selling courses. You should believe in, to, in yourself. But 
Focus on literally becoming debt-free first, okay? Have a healthy savings account because we do not know what's going to happen right now here soon. Again, I know we always sound like we're the bear, bear Thursdays. Like, oh my God, market mode, they're just bears. That's all they do is talk about everything negative about the market. But the reality is, is like it's, things are not great right now. And with the banking and the high interest rates, why not start saving money, putting money on the side in case of emergency? You don't know what can happen. I have a friend who literally had a great career, just got fired the other day. So this, this it's a scary environment that we're in. We see tech jobs, people in at Google, Meta, Microsoft getting fired. It seems like every month is like 10,000, 100,000 people getting fired left and right, right? So, you know, what, what's happening, you know? And, and it's just, it's, it seems like everything is a fad. AI is a fad with this whole use it to make a career, use it to do this, use it to do that. I just, I say, save your money, have a healthy cushion because you don't know what's going to happen in the future and then start investing in yourself. Get some certificates. If you work at McDonald's, if you work at Walmart, if you work at these dead end jobs that you're not happy at, um, don't take your last bit of money to try to be a trader. Don't take your last bit of money and think you can just invest and you're going to overnight become a millionaire. Take that additional money and try to put yourself in a better situation where you have a high, a better paying job that pays you a lot more and you're more marketable. And then you have the leverage at the end of the day. How many jobs are out there where you could do remote work? My wife's cousin literally did this. She's a human resource officer. And yes, she got paid. I, th I think she was getting paid like $150,000 a year. She's very good at her job. She's been doing it for over 10 years or so. But she was working remote. So she got herself a second job. So simultaneously, between nine to five, she was working two jobs, making $300,000 a year because both jobs paid $150,000. And then she bought a house and then she took that money and invested it in the market after she had all her cushion for savings and everything set up. That's how people should do it. We're, we get distracted a lot by what we see on YouTube, what we see on Instagram, what we see on these promotions. Hey, let me show you how you can trade and turn your life around in 10 days with this stock market class. Like, stop it. Clowns. They're all freaking clowns. I want to so, make my attention. Like, I'm sorry. This is why we don't do yeah. live. That way I could cut and edit this stuff out. <laughs> no, no. No, it, it's sort of like I think what's happening here is a lot of people are looking for shortcuts. And then that's sort of what they find on Twitter. Like my biggest example is small account challenges, right? It's how do you take your account from a thousand to twenty five thousand dollars in let's say ninety days? It's equal to you trying to lose weight in twenty five pound weight at all, uh, twenty five pounds in three months. You know how those diets go, and you know how long they stay consistent. Um, the problem is, I'm going to take that thousand to twenty five k by doing zero days, whereas Mark doesn't have the risk tolerance to do zero day because that doesn't fit a personality. Plus, he works a job. Plus, he doesn't like volatility. He's most likely going to be down thirty percent, sell it all, and the thousand dollars he saved up will be gone. My point being is, you could be an amazing entrepreneur, or you could be a shitty entrepreneur. It has nothing to do with me selling you a dream. You kind of have to ask yourself what you want to do. And this one page, um, one page script of how to become a millionaire, wake up uh, at 6 a.m., do the cold showers, stop watching Netflix, don't spend time with your family. All that stuff only works for it if you actually enjoy what you do, right? If I mm -hmm. like what I do, like I will. Okay, so here I'll give you my example. When I worked a job, uh, I used to show up right on the dot and I used to leave right on the dot, sometimes leave early too, if my work was done. There were other supervisors, they would come an hour early or two hours, uh, stay late. And that was their thing. They loved what they, I didn't like working a job. Ever since I've been an entrepreneur, Mark knows I can put in anywhere from 14 to 15 hours, Monday to Sunday. And it's not to show off or to flex. It's because I love what I do. But some people might think I'm living a miserable life. And I might think someone who's working a job is living a miserable life. The idea is not to impose your thought process on other people. If someone's having more fun and staying more happy doing a job, then that's what they should do. We're not here to push you to tell you to stop your entrepreneurship and go get a job or vice versa. You got to do what you're, uh, makes you happy, which is what kind of relates to trading too. If trading three months, six months, a leap is what your style is, the small account challenge is going to ruin your mental capacity and you won't be able to ever pick back from what broke. I've seen a lot of people in the last two years, they've lost enough money that when you say the word investing or trading, 
they get so nervous and scared that they don't want to even look at open their account because they've been broken with every single thing that they've been taught in terms of shortcuts, high leverage uh, accounts and whatnot. But uh, the idea is that take trading like anything, the level of risk you can take will result of how much you can make. But if you don't know what you're doing, like playing zero days with high leverage, it, it mostly leads for you losing money. Yeah. And I, I want to say one more thing. I know I just like spoke for quite a bit there for a second. When it comes to preserving your mental capital, right? This market has been tough. All right. Everyone knows this. People, if you look at any of the groups that were popular in 2020, including ours, the numbers have gone down, right? A lot of people are exhausted. They've, they've left trading, they left investing. They don't want to hear it anymore. And I understand a lot of people lost a lot of money. A lot of people got burned. There's been groups that gave bad advice. There's been groups that gave good advice. Things didn't pan out. There's groups that were, you know, being grifters. There's groups that were scamming. It is what it is. I understand. I'm asking you guys and I'm asking everyone else who has been exhausted and who's been, I guess, turned off by the way the market has been reacting to give the come up series another chance and give us a chance. Clearly, Mark Monroe's doing things a little different here on the Come Up series. You guys see it with the multiple different cast members on this show and multiple different shows here. And we're trying to do something different. And we're hoping to get people back into investing and trading, but in a safer way. And I hope that people have learned the ups and downs, what has come with the market, and that you guys will give us a chance again. We're not here to try to scam you. We're not here to try to grift you. We're not here to try to guide you down the wrong path. We understand. I have been exhausted multiple times on my journey with the market. I'm exhausted right now. I can't. <clears throat> I do spreads and debits. That, that's all I do right now. But even then, even then, man, it's been hard. The market sometimes jumps up like crazy and then it tanks another second. It's hard to trade. It's hard to even invest. You think you got it at the bottom. You think you got a bunch of good shares. You're up 20%. Now all of a sudden you're only up 1% and all of a sudden you're down 10%. It sucks. It sucks. And it, and it's emotionally and physically exhausting dealing with the market every single day is emotionally exhausting. Hearing everybody's opinions and what they think is emotionally exhausting. We'll turn on CNBC and every other day the market is crashing, the world's ending. Then all of a sudden everything's great. Everything's great. And the next thing, the next day is like, oh, the market's crashing again. So I understand. I understand. But I'm asking everyone to come back and, and have a fresh look and reset and give another chance, especially on investing. I'm going to be, today's episode was actually supposed to be um, a cover call, how I do cover calls. That was a plan. And I'm trying to introduce plays and ways you can make money that is less risky, where you can co compound it and try to get some of your losses back or try to help build up your Roth IRA or help, you know, to leverage the stocks that you already have to make a little bit of money on top of that. But just don't give up but don't also fall for all the clownishness out there is that even the word clownishness don't just don't don't fall for all the okie doke out there all the time you have to find a balance and if it's too much for you and if you had too many losses it's okay to step away for a little bit and just reset it's okay so that's what i got Mo. yeah no i agree with you mark and i think to trade to invest is completely up to you if you don't think you're in the right mental capacity and you want to take a break that's also okay punishing yourself because um, you could have made more money. Um, I don't think that's smart either. And one of the things I will tell you is there's always a time and it happens. Sometimes it happens once a month. It might happen four months, six months, a year where I'm like, time gets really tough in terms of trading. And I'm like, I feel like quitting or I think about like, is it worth the pain? And what I tell everyone is usually times like these will make you better traders only if you know what you're doing. If you're simply gambling and people tell you if you don't quit, you're going to be fine. But if you keep gambling, it's like someone who goes to the casino every day and um, they're being told like keep going go for a couple of years you'll be fine you kind of know what you're doing if you know that you're gambling and you're giving into your impulses taking a break is better and i'll trust me for me like in terms of what i do my business having a discord this is the last thing i would like to say but the last thing is i've run across a lot of conversations where people have lost a lot of money 
and they've lost a lot of money, not because they're not smart. It's because they've got trauma with money. And it's usually because of bad parenting, bad spending habits, or um, addiction issues. Addiction could be with anything. It could be shopping. It could be obsessed about even just work. And then you become obsessed about trading. And until you fix that shit, it'll leak into trading. It'll leak into everyone's life. And so the point being, what I'm trying to tell you is if Mark uh, Monroe was here, he'd tell you the same shit. He's an investor. There's times when it's tough and there's time when it's easy, but tough times will only make you stronger if you kind of have a system that you're following. If gambling is all you're doing, then you need to take a break. I'm not saying never invest, never trade. I'm saying take a break and reset and don't only listen to people you agree with. Listen to people you disagree with, especially if they're talking facts. So me and Mark or Mark Monroe were usually always on the other end. He's usually bullish. I'm bearish. But I like to listen to what he has to say to make sure I've covered. So if there's any blind spots on my point, it's not a gorilla walking. Next thing you know, I'm short NVIDIA at 100 and I'm holding that short and I would have been blown up. That's about up 150% and vice versa. If you were trying to buy calls on coin at 460, now it's at 30. The point is always look at the other argument. If it's logical and if it's done respectfully, you can gain a lot of insight. If we all are bearish, this is the wrong room to be in. It's good that some of you guys are bullish and some of you guys are bearish. So we get a good mix and we have arguments where we can say this is what's working. This is what's not working. Another thing is there's a bullish market everywhere. So um, there's so many stocks that are running, right? There's so many stocks that are dropping. So you got to pick what you know, what sector you know, and go from there. But our overall goal for talking about trading was most platform me and Mark go to or watch on YouTube and Twitter. Everyone seems to be winning. Every single mentor Always. I have, every single mentor. I have a mentor who owned a fund in London and he told me that he's struggling with the market right now. And when you hear your mentors say stuff like that and what they're doing, they're taking less trade, their size down, they're trying to manage their risk, they're doing spreads, all that cool stuff. When you hear them and then you see someone who started, there's a 16-year-old kid on Twitter who's been trading for 17 years and he's trading based on VVAP and he's killing it. You could see that plus a guy who's 65 with 30 years experience saying he's struggling. You could see there's an issue. Either the fun guy forgot how to trade or the person on Twitter is just marketing. The goal isn't to shit on people. The goal is to tell you the reality and tell you that if you're struggling, it's okay. Because we are too. And that's the whole part of it. Uh, we've never ever thought or planned any of these conversations. They're made to protect you guys. And my thing is I'm always supportive. You want to trade, invest. You don't want to do it. It's all good. Uh, we don't benefit. We'll never come here and sell you anything. That's sort of like my, me and Mark's thing. Um, we'll talk about plays. Uh, we'll go over one today too. But when we had our own podcast in a different um, in a different channel, we had less followers. And at that time, I would talk about my plays. Now I will talk about it in general because the last thing I want to do is try pumping my own contracts because that's unethical. So if we go over a play, I'll show you what the flow is, what the chart says. You guys decide what option you want to pick in. I will specifically not ever tell you what my option is because the last thing I want to do is show you guys exactly what I have indirectly pump my own contracts. I've got about 72K subs. Even if 10% follow, that's will impact. So that's not what we'll do ever going forward. Right, Mark? Yes. No, 100%. 100%. And just take care of your mental health. And like we said, we're going to have a actual um, psychiatrist come on here who focuses on traders, right? That's, is that her like her specialty is working with no, traders? She, focus, she focuses on trauma and trading is trauma. Okay. It is. Yeah. Have, I mean, every time, no, but it is every time you get whipped, every time you lose a thousand dollars or a hundred dollars or whatever. I, I know there's a lot of people who have trauma. I know there's a lot of people in this group from the come up series who have trauma from the, some of the leaps because it didn't pan out for everybody. I know that. Like we all know that we're all aware of it. But the biggest thing is, man, align yourself with people who are freaking transparent and not always trying to market to you, lie to you and try to take advantage of you. Like, that's not what we're here for. When me and Mo started this, literally, it was the drunk night, me and him hanging out, having drinks with our wives. And we were like, yo, let's start a podcast. Where we're just transparent. Let's just be honest. That's all I'm about. If you go to my channel, I don't care. There's times I lose. There's times I win. 
And I'm not going to sit here and lie to people to try to sell myself and sell my brand just so you can follow me and have more subscribers or whatever. And I've noticed that there's so many people out there. Shout out to this one guy. His name is um, TJ. He does a will strategy. And I'm going to bring him on here, too, once I get into the after I do the um, cash secure puts. Because uh, we already covered the, did a cover calls and we're going to do the cash secure puts, which was supposed to happen today. But then after that, I'm going to talk about the wheel strategy. And he does that for a living. Guy has barely any followers, any subscribers. And he goes on every day. And this is a legit guy. Why doesn't this guy have millions of subscribers? Oh, because he's not flashy, because he's, he's not lying to you, because he's not saying, hey, this is going to make you a millionaire in a week. So just, man, I... I don't know. I just get frustrated with it. Maybe I put too much emphasis on it. I just hate to see people hurt. I hate to see people's mental health fall. I hate to see the people I used to have a huge, a huge bond with, a huge relationship with, who we were all bonded through training and through investing. They all have disappeared because they're just mentally exhausted, mentally drained. They've been burned. They're tired of paying for courses. They're tired of listening to various different YouTube channels and everything seems great. And then when they lose money, it's like, damn. I did this again and I and I lost. They say that right now, I think 22% of Americans in the United States are on some sort of depression medication. That's a lot. That's a lot. 22%. So add trading and investing on top of that and inflation, what's going on right now in the world, and then poli add politics on top of that. My God, no wonder everyone's on, on freaking medication because they're depressed. So but that's all. I'm done with my, my rants. Uh, go ahead. Mo, you want okay. to pull up something? Uh, hold on. Let's um, let's go over. Hold on. Let me share my. There you go. Okay. Perfect. So I wanted to go over the flow on BAC, and I wanted to show you guys what's happening. So I haven't never seen anything like that on BAC before. It's very unusual. So we'll go straight there. Um, these are the contracts that are getting hit a lot. So 421s, 28, 25, 23, 22. This is the call side. This is the put side. So if you guys look at the premium difference, 1.59, 1.5 million here, million here. This is a lot for a bank. If I go on the top and show you guys the overall flow, it's bearish. Call to put ratio is 0.28, meaning out of every 10 contracts that are coming, eight are puts and two are calls. The net premium is negative 3.87 million, meaning the take the total call premium minus the put premium, we're in the negative. So this is pretty bad. And I think there's more room to go. Um, let me pull into BAC chart here. Damn, I have it. Perfect. So uh, I do supply and demand. This is called drop base drop. And we dropped and then we were basing here and we broke. You could call this a bear flag too. We broke the flag. The next levels I have are 26 and 25. You have two options um, as a trader. You could say this has gone down too much. I'm going to stay out of it. Or you can look at this level here which is 2760 if it gets retested that will not be a bad uh place to add puts the reason why i'm talking about this trade more puts came in for april 21 april 21 is an opic state that happens every third week of the month so there's a lot of liquidity in those chain um so have a look the chart looks pretty prime the rumors are that Bank of America might be um, using their cash into buying something. Um, I don't know if that's true or not, but the flow is very telling. Like if we pull the daily chart while SPX was running today, this thing was, let's clean it. So this thing gapped up and it just sold off, even though SPX was going up. We went and banks don't move like that. This thing went from $28.99 to $26.94. So it's down roughly $3. You don't see banks do that. Banks are very slow movers. So maybe if you want to wait, but um, have a look at this ticker. Another thing that I want to talk about was SPX. My target is $36.30. And for March 31st, so if you're kind of scared of SPX because super volatile, if we get tested to 4,000 again, March 31st, 370 to 360, depending on where I try to find an in the money put. Uh, what I mean by that is, let's say you think it can get to 3,700 by Friday. I would try going for 375 puts because you don't want to go too out the money. Um, that's what I would look for. 
Um, the reason why I think we can go down, multiple reasons. So let me show you guys something. So I'm going to draw another fib for you guys. Very simple, very easy. It's on a daily time frame. Take the top, take the bottom, and let's zoom in. We're struggling in this area. So you ask yourself, what are some of the reasons why we could go down? Why could we go up? It's simple. CTAs are buying. If there's no bad news, they're going to keep buying. We'll go up. So what's the bad news? The banks, that's not good. The other big part we could sell is because of Powell's statement about the rates. That's not good. Um, no, uh, that's one thing. The second one is rebalancing. End of quarter. And so let's talk about it. If you bought NVIDIA at 108 and it's 270 and you're up so much in the quarter, you need to rebalance. So if you need to take some part out of um, tech and put it in a different sector, techs will drop, SPICs will drop. So that's why I think we'll drop. I'm not saying we're dropping because we're bearish. We're trading here. We're not talking about uh, the economy as a whole. So when you're trading, you look for what can happen within next week where I can make money. So I think because of the rebalancing, we can make money. So March 31st is not a bad strike price. April 7th is not a bad strike price. SPX is very good. But if you're a small account, I got you. IWM. IWM is the definition of risk on and risk off. Anytime this thing um, goes down, that means people are taking risk off with the regional banks and everything that's going on. This thing can go lower, especially because uh, of the banks. And one thing Powell mentioned was there will be an independent investigation that will go on with this regional bank. So if I'm an insider and I know that my bank was in some shady stuff, I'd probably start slowly selling, which is why I got into IW inputs. Um, but yeah, that's sort of what I'm watching. If you're looking at April or March for these things, they're very cheap. They're like 50, 60 cents. So that's sort of what I'm looking at, Mark. Good stuff. I appreciate it. I um, When it comes to what I'm buying now to add into my portfolio, uh, nothing right now, except the only thing I'm eyeing right now is WWE. I know a lot of people are like, why would you invest into WWE? After this episode, do me a favor. Again, go to Simply Wall Street or even go to Alpha Options or Alpha, yeah, Alpha Options and then take a look and see, take a look at the fundamentals of WWE. Right now, WrestleMania is coming up on April 1st. Usually, usually, it's not guaranteed. After WrestleMania, the stock ends up declining. They end up selling off somewhat. And right now, it's at 84%. It's been doing really well, especially during this whole recession, inflation, and everything like that. It's been doing extremely well. In the past year, it's been up 37.31%. Year to date, it's up 23%. In the past six months, it's up 24%. So what, I, what I'm looking at, I've been waiting for this for a while. I wish I had bought it a lot sooner. I'm waiting for it to pull back at least to the low 70s, high 60s. Then I'm going to start scaling in and adding it into my dividend portfolio. In my dividend portfolio are the only stocks that I actually just keep in there permanently. Don't care. I buy a couple bucks or shares, leave it, don't watch it again. But take a look at WWE, look at exactly what their what their actual business is, because it's more than just doing shows and wrestling. It's a lot more. So a lot of people slept on it. Yeah, Tina just said that right there. Shout out to you, Tina. Yeah, a lot of people slept on, on wrestling. So WWE, there's a reason why you see Mark with a belt in the back and Lawrence with a belt in the back. So take a look at the company. That's all I got. Anything else, Mo? Nope, we're done. All right, guys, thank you so much again for tuning in. Hopefully this wasn't too much of a morbid episode. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Hopefully you got some value from it. If you did, please definitely comment below. Let us know what you like about this show, what you don't like about this show, what you'd rather see, what you want to see. Should we keep this a lot shorter? Let us know. Give us some feedback. We enjoy feedback. Pros, cons, good, bad, ugly. We don't care. We enjoy it. So until the next week after next, because it'll be week after next. Hopefully we have the therapist on there. If not, it's definitely going to be in April. We definitely have her. She's going to be coming on. She's going to talk. Please do not miss out on that episode. I think it's very important for mental health and for trading and investing mental health as well. So until next time, y'all, peace out. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Mark. I'm with Uncultured Currency. This is Mo with OTB Clubhouse. Mo, where can they find you? Uh, Instagram handle is OTB Clubhouse. Yep. And I'm on Instagram. As I'm barely on social media now. Monday through Friday, I usually try to tune out. So I've been doing a pretty good job this week. I just I just go in there to promote. So don't get offended if I don't respond to you because I really do try to respond to every single person who reaches out to me. If it takes some time, it's not because I'm ignoring you. It's simply because I'm not on social media. So until then, thank you. Peace out. That's 100.